love is a condition so powerful. It may be that which holds the stars in the firmament. It may be that which pushes and urges the blood in the veins. Courage, you have to have courage to love somebody. Love can surely feel intense, like you're on a constant high and everything's pretty. The only thing is, what is it founded on? Just chemistry sparked warm smiles and insightful conversations? I say most certainly those, but a deeper foundation that speaks to the heart of any human. Compassion, patience, understanding, respect, kindness, honesty, reciprocity evolution, and a growing understanding of self. Love is abundant. Love is intentional. It gives. This Around the Way girl wants to chat with you. She's discovering new information in this world that surrounds her, tapping into her inner power, her sexuality, and taking ownership of her insecurities. She discovered she had to unlearn some things. Come and enjoy her moments of reflection, re-education, redefinition, and evolution. Kick back, sip some wine, take a drive, whatever your vibe. Join me, your host, Shay Sana, with She Discovered Podcast. So stay tuned. You might learn some things. Love has been such an interesting topic in history, but just just in life. So um, I was having a conversation with my best friend the other day. I'm just like, we talk so much about like the black man's experience of love and how to want to be in love or do they feel loved. And it's like, sometimes I wonder like, do I give myself permission to accept love or feel love or feel like I'm good enough for love? And I think that's probably one of the hardest conversations that I have just in general. So when I when I seen the book and I hear people talk about it, I got the book on an understanding of like romantic love. But then when I started reading it, just the space of like how we understand love as a whole, it made me start to like dissect and break things down of like, was I taught love the right way or do I even understand love the right way? That was Cito Blanco, my guest for this episode. And we're talking about love, the romantic relationship kind. Cito Blanco is a returning guest all-around creative, spoken word artist, and poet. You may have seen Cito in our YouTube episode, Dating in 2021, the men's edition. If you haven't checked it out, please do so. Today, we will be sharing what we as individuals have discovered about love and how we're still learning how to love and won't even begin to say we can cover the many layers of love in this episode. But we'll share our understandings, our journey, and our joy of reading the book All About Love by Bell Hooks, which touches on many aspects of love. The idea of love, the expression of love, and the action of love. But before we do that, check out this commercial break. Thank you for tuning into the episode thus far. I want to remind you that She Discovered also has episodes on our YouTube channel, She Discovered Podcast Extension. As you enjoy audio episodes, tune in for further discussions on topics like spirituality, dating, sexuality, and entrepreneurship. And don't forget to click that subscribe button and notification bell to be updated on new released episodes. Finally, if you'd like to donate to the production of this podcast, please check out the link in the show notes. Thank you for being a part of my discoveries and enjoy the rest of the show. 
having you here again, Sito, on She Discovered Podcast. First of all, thank you for even taking time out of your schedule to be on the episode and to be on the show. I truly, truly appreciate it. Of course, audience, we're talking about love, everything about love, even though we know we cannot tap into the many layers in this one episode but our conversation is definitely going to be based on the book all about love by bell hooks and as sito and i have already been discussing there's so many layers and aspects to love and i think for us right now what we've learned from the book and you could tell me if you agree sito is that we want to understand not only the idea of love the definition of love but the expression of love and most importantly, the action of love, right? And I think for us, we've definitely seen how love has changed from generation to generation. And why I say that is because I feel like the younger generation who they call Gen Zs, I feel like they're scared to love. And I feel like our generation, millennials, we're learning how to love. And the past generations, like our parents and our grandparents, I feel like they followed the traditional norms of love without asking certain questions. They just went with the motion of like what you were saying earlier, what we've been taught without really understanding the root or the definition. Oh, this is how love is supposed to be. I'm going to rock with it. But for us, we're like, "Mm, there's some loopholes that don't make sense. So let us relearn what it really is. And going to the the other generation, the younger generation, what I hear so much is, or what we see is, I don't need love. It's all from females. I don't need need love. It's all about money. Fly me out. You know what I mean? I want luxury this. I've even heard females that are like in their 20s literally say, why do I care about money when I look good and he could just buy me stuff, pay for flights, pay for whatever, love hurts, and I don't want to deal with it. I've seen my parents deal with it. It's trash. I don't want it. But in my mind, I I feel like it is a defense mechanism. I believe the way we are built as human beings, we desire love. We just don't know how to obtain it. Or like you say, give it definition to understand it. So we use different mechanisms to sabotage ourselves from experiencing love in different forms and in different levels. You know what I mean? So I, I, I don't know what you think about that, but as you tap into that, once you're done, I want to read an actual quote that Bell Hook said about this very thing, but go ahead. My take on it is um, this generation that's coming up or in a very luxurious space, a luxurious space to view love from a non-survival space. Because they don't see love from a survival space, they look at it more of like, do I need this or do I don't need this? Mm-hmm. Where every generation prior to that, especially for melanated people, love community relationships was viewed more from a standpoint of like, this is how we survive. This is how we live. This is how we maintain. This is how we reproduce. If I was growing up in this time period, I might view it the exact same way, especially being in this country where love has been capitalized, marketed. They market it they capitalize it. They use it to come as an emotional warfare. When you kind of play around with intimacy emotions and love in so many different ways to kind of give dopamine hits to people, eventually you start to look at it where it's like, you know what, if this is the game you playing and I'm off this, I'm good. Because all of it feel like it's fake anyway. So if your play is love, I'm going to take it off the table. I don't need love. So now what else do you have to offer? 
And I think that's where so many people's perspectives tend to move and operate in. It's difficult, but not to jump in for some of the questions, but it's like some of my most times of feeling love or understanding love has been in my toughest times in life. Love may resonate or hit differently in these moments. Mm-hmm. I think I'm not sure if that's like a flight or flight or if it's just like to a certain extent, like having like a certain connection to like survival love. When shit hit the fan, I'm like, dang, like, and people that are there, you never forget that. And I kind of always see love in that capacity. It just makes me see it, see it a little different in that in that manner, especially with the younger generation of women. Like when they speak on those things, to me, it's a validation thing. How I look at young women right now is how I grew up when I was 16. Like when I was 16, it was simply like, yo, bro, man, I don't care what it is. That job got to give me this cash. I got to get this. I'm going to Miami. When I look at the younger women right now, I look at it more like, I, I just adopt the mentality of, it's almost like Stockholm Syndrome of patriarch of patriarchy. Because you feel like you've been oppressed by this white, this gaze, this male gaze for so you long. You morphed into it. Morphed into it, adopted it, and said, you know what? Now I'm going to take it, add what I got, and take it, and now you can't use this on me no more. When I see it, I'm like, it's look good. It sound good. Until we unpack the layers. And when you live in a superficial society where it only stays surface, then on a surface standpoint, you can live on it. But if you unpack it and tap it in, then, then you'll get somewhere where you get a real conversation. Real conversation. But like you said, these real conversations are scary sometimes. Because when I hear this, these young women say these things, and I'm going to say it from, I'm not saying that men of the younger generation are innocent. I'm just going based on what I'm hearing the women say. I haven't really had much conversation with young men, but the women and what I'm seeing on social media specifically is just like what you said. I've been so oppressed by this type of system. So I'm going to take it and make it mine. So yeah, I'm going to have a pretty face, a pretty body, and you're going to fly me out. And yeah, even if sex comes into the picture, at least I'm the one that has the control that says if we are or if we aren't, right? Or I've seen young girls feel like well it's a part of the package if he flies me out then yeah i'll give him sex so what at least i got this new birkin bag at least i got flown out to here and here and it's not to place judgment but again it's for us to have the discussion of what is occurring throughout the different generations and like you said if we're trying to get at the root of love or the fear of love because of the lack of understanding that's where we're you know bringing this into play it's not a play of judgment but i want to read this from bell hooks where she says i am afraid that we may be raising a generation of young people who will grow up afraid to love afraid to give themselves completely to another person because they will have seen how much it hurts to take the risk of loving and have it not work out I'm afraid that they will grow up looking for intimacy without risk, for pleasure without significant emotional investment. They will be so fearful of the pain of disappointment that they will forego the possibilities of love and joy. Young people are cynical about love. Ultimately, cynicism is the great mask of the disappointed and betrayed heart. When I read that, I was just like, oh my gosh. But if you think about it, We see that, yes, in the younger generation, but we saw that in ourselves as well as millennials. There's this level of like, where were we able to see, not saying we didn't see pockets of it, but where were we able to see a totality of healthy love, right? And she mentions that in the book where religion sometimes did us a disservice and that's where we're supposed to be getting it. Sometimes our parents in our household didn't display it. Sometimes people that we put trust in as a, adults betrayed us and we haven't seen it. So I understand that there is just this continuation of betrayal. But what I love in the book is that she's like, despite all of this, if we're truly 
willing and open to go past the surface, like you said, we will have a newfound experience that will bring us to the place that we're able to take that risk in the midst of the things that happen. Because at the end of the day, we're all humans. We're all flaws. You can't control the decisions other people make. You know, the creator has given us free will. And based on that free will comes with disappointment, comes with betrayal, comes with, you know, hurt and pain. But at the end of the day, how are we able to sift through those things? So I, I love that she mentioned that. I think the key word that takes is betrayal. I feel like to be betrayed means that there was trust. And when you have trust, uh, one of my favorite books is The Speed of Trust. And when you have trust, things are effortless or there's never smoother transition. Society is run off trust. When I sit there and I go to my barber, I'm going to make sure my hairline is going to be on point. I trust that consistently you're going to do this for me. When And then when I feel betrayed by that, it's an unexpected space of that trust being broken. It makes me wonder, because I don't think love has ever been perfect since the beginning of time, because I don't think I don't deem anything perfect. But it makes me wonder, what is the stem of the betrayal? Is it more from the illusion that love has been painted to us? Is it the actual love that we're experiencing? Or is it just the space of emotionally, I didn't think it was going to take this much to get the love that I wanted. And I think those constantly ponder in my mind. To me, it's like when I think about my experiences of what I thought love is supposed to be and how I'm supposed to love a woman, all those things have been implanted in my mind. I've never sat back and just said like, how do I, I'll just say it in my government name, how do I, Donovar Eric Appleton, because my because lo loving a woman always going to come from that space. It's going to come from there. It's not going to come from Cito Blanco. Like, how do I sit back and really view what that love looks like in a lot of different ways? Despite all my experiences that I've been through growing up, not just the music, the, like you're saying, like we talk about the hip hop, we talk about caring about like that. Hip hop plays such a big factor. I could honestly say that love is probably introduced to me by music before anything. In the sense of romantic love. Yes, love from your parents and your community and family is one thing. But I remember listening to Chris Brown, um, Chris Brown album, like, yo, your man ain't me. Um, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I tripping. I know you gotta like like to me it's kinda like I never I never walked outside and want to take a, a man's girlfriend from him. Those things were implemented me through music, through that influence. And then like now when I reverse engineer it, I just wonder, those are real conversations, but what does it stem from? And what does it look like? And is the betrayal from somebody else or is the betrayal from my heart to my mind or my heart to my actual actions? Because it seems like I guard my heart. Like I, If I did what my heart wanted me to do all the time, I don't think I'll be in the position I'm in. So does the betrayal come from me and myself, me and love, or me and how society views love? They all play a factor. And I think we got to dissect which one is happening at what time. Because I've been in situations where I've been with women and I'm battling my heart and my actions and they're in the middle of it. And it has nothing to do with them. But they end up reaping some of the, the bad aspects of it because I wasn't processing that. And vice versa. It all becomes of who do we feel betrayed by? Or what do we feel betrayed by? And I think that's such a, a deep question in it. I love, dang, you got me in deep reflection right now. I do think it's both, but I think we as a people have complicated love. Yes. I don't think it's as complicated as we make it to be. There is a betrayal that we do to ourselves. Again, I, I think it stems from defense mechanisms. I do believe that society, depending on culture, it depends on the culture too. 
true. Because we're in the Western culture of our understanding. Like you say, it's a very capitalistic system of our understanding of love. It's give, take, give, give, take. And don't, don't get me wrong. There's an element of reciprocity that happens. But sometimes when I look of how love is experienced, maybe in other cultures, there's sometimes a different and deeper understanding to it. So I, I, I do, and a different commitment. There's a different commitment. So it's a value. It's a different value. A different it's a value. value. Like you said, even, even saying that give and take and reciprocity can mean the same thing, but it's not the same thing. And, and that's, and that's heavy in that. Now I feel like we're in a give and take and it's not a reciprocity thing. No. Matter of fact, break that down for the listeners. Break that down. Okay. So I feel like same thing with speed of trust. It's kind of like same time, man. Same time. I don't know you, man. Like <laughs> it feels like, yo, I'm going to give you my heart. I'll give you heart. We both holding on. Like, we're not sure. We're not sure. Reciprocity to me is more like, I feel like the seasons of growing. When you plant seeds and you know that when I plant these seeds, my objective is to make sure that these seeds harvest. And I know I'm going to do what it takes for it to harvest. And every season, when it's not time to harvest, I'm going to make sure that this ground is taken care of because it's going to be a time to harvest again. I'm not using that as an analogy in the sense of like man and woman or anything like that kind of context. But it's in a space of that I value this and I trust this. And I pray that they, that it trusts me as well to understand that both of our existence need each other. And in our space to keep this going, we're going to reciprocate our energy. And, and reciprocating the energy should allow me to be the best version of me and you be the best version of you. I feel like mm-hmm. take is more like how it is, where it's like it's a it's more of a tit for tat too. Tit for tat. It's a it's what have you done for me lately? It's a well if you don't, if you don't got the right prices no more, I'm going somewhere else. Yeah. It matters in any relationship you ever been in. It's gonna be a day that I might forget something. It's gonna be a day I'm not gonna make you smile. It's gonna be a day that I'm not on my shit. It's gonna be a day that I'm not attentive to where I need to be. I just pray that the reciprocity is there and the understanding is there that. Eventually, like if we're in that space, we could work back to what that looks like. But you're right, it's a commitment. What you're describing when you say reciprocity and the harvesting, it reminds me of a cycle that continues. There's no end because of the natural flow of it and a knowingness. Like that's what I hear. Like there's a knowingness of this exchange that we're giving to one another. And again, going back to the to the Bible, when I look at the Bible and intimacy is discussed the word no is always brought up when it says adam knew his wife or uh isaac went into his tent and he knew rebecca it was always referencing intimacy in a sexual way but when it was creator to man that same word was used knew i knew them i know them it it was always in the form of intimacy so this reciprocity that we're breaking down compared to like give and take, it's a intimate yeah. experience, is an intimate exchange. And based on that intimate exchange, and that's where we're going to go deeper into the episode, there's a trust there. You know what I mean? There's this trust and knowing that, like you said, if you aren't able to give 100%, there's a knowingness of your being that I can cover if you're bringing 20, I can cover 80 because when I can't, then you'll cover me. You know what I mean? There's a covering that's happening. And and it's, and, and, and I fall short to this sometimes, too. Mm-hmm. Um, being a black woman in this society, do you feel covered by black men? Listen, Cito. Cito. <laughs> no, it's a real no. question. No, I love that real. question. I love that question because I also want to have that conversation 
Do I honestly? No. Do I think it exists? Yes. I just think I haven't had the opportunity to experience it from a black man in its entirety. Okay. I've experienced it in pockets, but I have yet to experience it in its entirety. And I feel because our black men that I love in this era that we're in black men are tapping into therapy. They're tapping into trying to understand themselves. They're tapping into like we're having here with yourself conversations about love and so forth. So I am, what's the word I can use? I am understanding and graceful with the fact that I understand that black men, you've also had to learn how to love and cover me while living in a society that didn't allow you to even receive or express love. So because of that, but I can no longer let that be your excuse. It's an understanding, but at a certain level, there's a work that has to be done because as much as I would love you to cover me as just a being, I know you expect that same out of me. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, if I'm answering the question in pockets, yes, entirety, I have yet to experience that. I completely understand your response because I feel like I've fallen short in the intimate space as well. And I've had my best friend call me out on this in the sense that like my friends, my family, walking in the street, like any type of way I see a black woman in any type of trouble, like I'm most definitely going to put my put myself on the line in that moment. It's easy to show up in those spaces and those elements to protect black women across the board. But to protect her with my heart, protect her with commitment, protect her with the trust that I won't be outside in these streets, to protect her in the space of all of that, I feel like I've fallen short. At this age, I'm way more transparent and understanding of just like, yo, I'm not sure if like monogamy is for me or these things for me. And to a certain extent, sometimes I feel like that's a cop out, but it makes me wonder and understand that like all those protections are great, but the most ultimate protection is that commitment, is the intimacy, is creating the space that reciprocity can exist. Because if not, we keep on raising the next generation that doesn't know what that is. That's part of the heaviest part. And I know people may bash me for this, but I don't, like, when I was younger, I felt like love and choosing my partner was solely just off of my feelings and my heart and what I wanted only. Mm-hmm. See it that way anymore. Like, I feel like there is a certain duty into understanding that the person that you do choose, yes, it should be your choice. But why you choose them should also, you should factor in what they are going to be to keep it going, to understand there's reciprocity, to understand the children that you might raise, to understand what that next generation may look like. At times, I haven't been willing to make certain sacrifices, probably personality-wise or just chemistry-wise, for things that, for somebody that might actually, I know we could build something that reciprocity for a future people. And I think that's such a, that's such a, it's such a slippery slope because I can understand people go both ways with it. I just think we have way more generations and years of us making that decision based on the people that we know can create this right environment and build the right next generation simply off of checking off boxes of like, okay, I like this person because they're funny or they could do this or because they're that. I think we spend too much time. The cherry on top shouldn't be the cake. And I feel like we keep on picking people for the cherry on top and not the actual cake. I've heard it where we choose based on similarities and not compatibility. Yes. And the and the understanding compatibility, you have to understand yourself. And I think that's one of the key things where it's like we're talking about no. You're talking about the Bible, like I know my wife. I know my like I think um one of my favorite songs, like know yourself. 
Like they say it in the streets a lot, like kind of like you'll know yourself. You're not like that, but like no, you gotta know yourself. Like know what's for you and what's not for you. Respect some of my friends that are like, yo, bro, I I'm not outside. Like I want one woman in one way, and I'm okay with that. I'm fine with that. And I respect my brothers that's like, yo, I tried the one woman thing. It's not for me. I didn't been married and did this, and it's not for me. I'm just transparent off rip and just let it be known what it is. And um, I just think that we have to find those spaces where everybody can be comfortable in that. I, I do it on the stats, and I know it's tough. Only one in one in four black women get married. Huh. No, I know what that looks like. So it's like, ah, uh, it's hard out here in these streets. I take heed to it. I do. I take heed to it. I take heed to it. My sister, trust me, my sister has raised me and taught me. I'm the youngest, so I get it. Um, so there's there's moments and times where I just I factored all those things in. A question back to you then is, and I love your transparency, where you said that moment where. As you reflect on what you truly want out of relationship, if it's um, monogamous or not, that small pocket where you like, I think a part of it is a cop out. Where does that stem from? Where does that fear stem from where it's like maybe it is easier to have multiple um, women or relationships compared to monogamy? Betrayal. I think it comes from betrayal. Like no matter how you want to look at it, like I think it all it all stems from a root of a place. Like I'll just be transparent like. We don't have these conversations enough, but I was in my bros were sitting here and we was laughing about, and this sounds so wild, but we were sitting there laughing about the abortion that we paid for that never existed. And and like, yo, like, like I'm talking about like, like we were so, like we was in college, girls used to just hit you with the, I'm pregnant, I'm this, and before you know it, you take your refund check, you're doing this, you calling back home trying to get money to do certain, and there's stuff where you for a moment you thought you were about to have a kid and do certain stuff, so it's like, and we go tit for tat. And I'm not saying that, like, I know men that have done some shysty and grimy things as well. And I'm not saying one is worse than the other. But I think, like, sometimes it's not internalizing that. Growing up, you would think the first time you think you're about to have a child is a beautiful thing. Now, I think the, now I think the next time I hear it, I'm going to have this doubt in the back of my mind. And a part of me is just like, it's probably on my job to, like, to deal with that. Because the woman that's going to bear my child doesn't deserve any of the energy that I might give her. I might a lack of excitement one day because I had a different experience. Mm-hmm. Or do I hold the the, um, the young lady at that moment when I was a young man, when I was dealing with her, um, I give her grace because of what was taking place at that time. So you, you kind of see it in different capacities. But I think it's the same thing of what you've seen. Like, yo, like the man that dealt with the one woman was never glorified, was never respected. Not, I won't say respected. I'm not going to say that. But he was never, it was never given the, we, everybody trying to be. The space. Yeah, the space to kind of be like, everybody's trying to be Django. Everybody's trying to be the one in 10,000. Like everybody's trying to be that guy. One of the craziest things growing up, one of my favorite songs from LL Cool J, doing it and doing it and doing it wild. <laughs> when LL made, like when I seen that video and I'm like, LL, my son's sitting there, he doing all this, like he clean, ladies loving him. Yeah, he was married the whole time. Married the whole time, but give an allusion to other men. One of my coworkers said it. City girls got y'all fooled out here talking about how girls summer. Meanwhile, they all booed up. And and so it makes me start to realize that like the older generation is more like it's your fault for not digging deep. Because if you get caught up on the surface level, it's your fault. Because everything on the surface level is fool's gold. And now we're trying to figure out how to like maneuver in that. Like how the poem says, don't like meet me on cloud eight because now is just a fantasy. I want to plan to be in your life more than just a dream because I feel like we're all living, we're all chasing a dream. Hmm. I'm starting to understand that like love is more logical than, than we try to make it seem, but there's beauty and essence and a fantasy in that logic. That, okay. Yes. Because 
yes, we have gotten the fairy tales of, you know, like you said, this cloud nine feeling, but we've failed to tap into the principles of love, the work of love. Because again, the way we grew up was on music, movies, and we're just like, oh, love is a feeling, 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 which it is, but it is elements of action. You know what I mean? It is a verb compared to just being a noun. And, you know, Bell Hooks mentions that as well. And I think because we've based it on feeling, 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 when this feeling has been betrayed, we toss everything out and we say this element is not real. This element does not exist and it cannot reach to its pinnacle when this element is like, I'm very much real and you could reach this pinnacle. You've just been processing on a different principle. I I love that you mentioned those things. I think we have over fantasized it or romanticized it. Sure. But in its logic, I do think there's a beautiful euphoria that is waiting as well. Yes. I I really like I've been in a relationship for eight years on and off, like when I was younger. Yes, there's some ups and downs and there's some stuff that we went through that are kind of like, yo, that has scarred me and that's just the truth. But that spaces of like, I don't want to be with her no more and then like falling back in love with her. If I said no, I don't get back to that space where I'm like, no, how do we fall back into this? How do we commit again? Some of that was probably being naive and honestly detrimental to like my emotional healing now. But it also taught me the lesson of like, yo, you just got to commit towards it. As much as we look at the like, yo, know, my certain parents, when they was 18, they just got married to somebody and they're like, oh my God, you never got to choose who you wanted to. But one thing that they had was a commitment. And when they was in that position, they realized like, we're going to commit to this. And we're going to make the best of what this is. We're probably what, 20 years, 25 years in the space of where we're viewing love from a we get to choose what we want. And we're not looking at it from an economical standpoint. And we're not looking at it from a business standpoint. And with all due respect, the, da- the data has shown that we're not making the right decisions, I don't think. So as much as we look back at the generations before of like, you had to do this and somebody had to pay dowry to marry and all of that. I'm not saying those things were necessarily right, but I don't think we throw away the whole handbook. I think that we keep on, we're like, that's like, it's never, that's only the wrong way. I think we can learn from everything. We have a big head right now based off of music and the internet and all of this stuff of like, and I see it a lot too with women having a certain impression with like, I'm not my mother, I'm not my grandmother, you're not going to do that to me. Like you do this to me, I'm out right away. And Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that, and I'm not a fan of this. I'm not saying that women should have to go through trials and tribulations to prove their love, to get the commitment and dedication from a man, especially a black man. That's not what I'm saying. But I think um, the certain elements in the conversations of the grace that was given, the understanding that was given, and the result of what took place of those decisions to keep it going on for the better good. If you're the better good, how do we keep the good being better? Mm-hmm. And right now we're more just like, we're almost like a stop. Like, let's, we're not doing nothing. Let's just stop it all. Let's just turn up. Let's live it up. And it's like, yo, like money is being spent everywhere. Resources. Because real talk, and I've done it. I, I got no business flying no girl out. I got no business buying bags or going on vacations when you, when you really start to factor it in. Because what are you putting an investment in? It's, and that, and I think that's the, we're splurging and spending and doing all of this. And I think we're losing sight of the entire picture of like, this is not reciprocity for melanated people in general. This is not reciprocity for the earth. It's not reciprocity spiritually, mentally, emotionally. This is only reciprocity for egos and flesh. Yes. And if, and, and, and if we're in that space, that's why it's tit for tat. To love in your soul, you gotta, like you're saying, you gotta know yourself. It's difficult because my elements of knowing myself 
I didn't was not non-internet era. Some of my best moments when my phone dies. Like I'll be my phone will die random places. And I'll be like, dang, how do I get home? It reminds me of them days I had to walk 30 blocks. But in them 30 blocks, I used to envision, yo, what was life gonna be like? Yo, what, what you think your wife gonna be like? Like I used to like talk to myself, how you doing, bro? How you feeling? Like, what does it look like? And I think that so many times we don't we don't know what it looks like. Cause we don't we don't, we don't spend enough time with ourselves. We don't. Last year I was able to go on a mission trip to Kenya. It was a really beautiful experience, but, you know, jet lag and late at night time difference. There were times I couldn't sleep and I would just walk out of the hotel or the resort we were at and trust me, pitch black outside. Okay, the stars out there. Oh, my gosh. It's just so it feels like you could touch it. And there were times where I would go outside and just talk to the most high. You know what I mean? Just me. It felt like I was the only one that existed in this world. And I'm just standing there and I'm talking to the most high and I'm looking up in the sky. I was just there. And there were certain things that were coming up for me in that moment emotionally. And I had spoken to a friend later on that day, like sharing with her the revelations that I was receiving. And one of the things I came to embrace was for some time, I've, I, as a female, you're told, oh, you're too emotional, you overanalyze things, you're too sensitive, and you start to internalize that and begin to doubt what you feel. I think I gained this level of insecurity of doubting my feelings or thinking my feelings weren't valid, right? That oh, maybe I am being too emotional. Maybe I am, you know, being too sensitive. But then in that moment, those things that were coming up for me, I told her I was able to sit and have conversations with my emotions instead of running from them, criticizing them the way others have. I was able to sit down and say, sadness, why do you feel this way? Why is this coming up for you? And I think that was a level of self-love for myself to me, because yes, self-love does equal rest. Yes, self-love does equal take yourself out, be okay with being alone, pamper yourself. But self-love is truly tapping into your being and saying you are enough. You know what I mean? Not only that you are enough, but the elements that you are composed of, learn it. We say it all the time, right? Oh, learn your girlfriend, learn her, learn what she likes. And once you're married, continue to learn her. Why are we not learning ourselves? Why are we not learning the triggers? Why are we not learning our emotions? Honestly, if we learn ourselves, Netflix don't make this money. <laughs> Uber Eats don't get these fees. Instagram shuts down. Instagram shuts down. Flight prices go down. <laughs> everything factors in everything. Everything is viewed from a capitalistic standpoint. Even that, like how self-care is triggered to, or is associated with all these other things that lead to, once again, spending money. Because to know yourself, like honestly, I knew myself probably the best when I didn't have that much money. When I had that much opportunities, because I had to stay with myself. When you got to stay with yourself, and that's why I love traveling. I love traveling back home to, I'm going to Jamaica. I remember I was being in Jamaica. Electricity went out. Hot water was gone. It was probably for like four days. Can't call nobody. Got no internet. You're just there. You got yourself. And in those moments, you start to understand, like, first you start panicking, but then you get detoxed of, like, you never needed this stuff. Yeah. The world makes stuff so comfortable now that it's kind of like, we think being uncomfortable is bad for your mental health. But sometimes being uncomfortable is simply that you have these things around you that are, are literally desensitizing you from connecting from your three, from your three being. It's mind, soul, and body. Yes. 
have these things that are messing your up your frequency. Yes, you're going to be uncomfortable, but you're being uncomfortable for the greater good. I love that you saying that because in that uncomfortableness, we are able to get to the place of a level of being comfortable in ourselves, like you say, right? Because we remove the distractions because even in the stillness, I've heard people say the stillness is scary. Because I have to think about these things. I have to experience these things. And I'm going to say this again from another quote from the book, right? Where she's talking about commitment and it's a commitment to ourselves. And this is on page 56 where she says, self-acceptance is hard for many of us. There is a voice inside that is constantly judging first ourselves, then others. That voice enjoys the indulgence of an endless negative critique. Because we have learned to believe negativity is more realistic, it appears more real than any positive voice. So because we've gotten so comfortable in that space of negative critique and, and trauma and triggers, once a level of healing or positivity comes, we're like, oh, that's uncomfortable. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, I don't think this is normal. And it's like what we've been living in is unnormal. But what the divine is trying to bring us to where we felt betrayed and all these things is the normalcy. You know what I'm saying? So I think there's so many barriers that we have to cross. But in order to cross those barriers, like you said, there's a stillness that has to happen. There is a like I said, there's a conversation to oneself that has to happen. 100%. It's difficult because what you're saying right now is like I feel I digested because. I had a conversation with myself the other day of like, I know my art and I know what I'm capable of and I know what I'm writing now, but I haven't been being still or take the time to learn some of my new stuff. And the message that I'm saying on stage at times is some of my old rhetoric. That's from a frequency I don't live in anymore. Going back to that frequency as I keep on reciting these same poems, your words are like spells. It's a frequency. You know what I'm saying? You tell yourself these things over and over and over. It's difficult because I see this with artists as well, where it's like, it's easier to sell things on a lower frequency. It's easier to sell trauma. It's easier to sell pain. It's easier to sell we outside and act bad and, and hot boy summer and hot girl summer. And mm -hmm. Easier to sell those things because that's tangible. I can spend money and get that. Like these things I can play off of what we're talking about, what you're trying to get, like you can't pay for this. Mm -mm. only way to get this is like really standing still and doing the work it's it's a work that is divine is necessary but it is scary it's scary it's extremely scary but you have to live in the truth of it and i'll say this hold on i'm gonna say a quote from the book because it's like truth of it is such a real thing because if you're not honest with yourself you can't be honest with your partner you can't be honest with the world you don't need to be honest with god because god knows your truth but he'll love for you to be honest with him because then that un there's an understanding in i know you you know you Let's let the world know you now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when you battle the when you when you don't know yourself, but then he knows you, he's gonna put things in your way at first to let you know who you are. And if you play around too much, he's gonna put things in front of you to let you know what you're not. Yes. But you still have to be divine because those things that he put in front of you to know what you're not, if you get caught up in too much, you'll fall into that hole too. Yeah, of course. Until you hit rock bottom, and then before you know it, you're calling his name again, like yo, bro, how did I get here? <laughs> And it's like, yo, nobody told you to make the left. I told you to get right. So, quote, is choosing to be honest is the first step in the process of love. There's no participant of love who, who deceives. Once you choose and has been made to be honest, the next step of love's path is communication. Yes. 
And I think it's very important because a lot of the things I see that where we lack in understanding love, justice, relationships, platonic, is communication. Right now, love language this, love language that. And sometimes it's not just the application of the love languages, this communication languages. Yes. As we speak about men, women, no one the question talking about do men understand love and women understand love the same ways. I'm learning that. I can communicate English, but I don't always communicate my feeling. And I think goes back to what you're saying that I feel like there are certain words that I feel like don't describe how I really feel. Yeah. I think that's why they say 80% of communication is nonverbal or men don't like to communicate and all that. But it's like, nah, like when I'm in these spaces, I know the power of my words. Yeah. I understand that when I speak to a woman a certain way, the impact it may have on her. I don't always want that to come off a certain way, especially when I've seen the generation of women be broken down by men's lack of articulation of expressing their feelings because of their ego. Very much so. I think not only because of their ego, but because they haven't been given the language. And like you just said, sometimes you're unsure of how to express yourself. I love uh, Brene Brown. She's a woman that speaks about vulnerability a lot the power of vulnerability, how to use our vulnerability, how to know when to give it, you know, who to trust with it, but the power of it. And she recently, maybe in the past two years, came out with a series on HBO, but also a book called The Atlas of the Heart, where you're breaking down the understanding of how to express and process your emotions. And she says that sometimes we don't want to use the word I'm sad or I'm happy or typical. So she was like, sometimes when you sit in the emotion, although you're just like, okay, maybe I'm not sad, but how do I explain exactly what I'm feeling? She says, go inward and really just try to describe exactly what is coming up for you. So I feel like I'm not sad, but I feel a subtle discomfort. Okay. Where's the discomfort coming from? I don't know. Okay. You may not know, but try to sit with it a little bit. What a discomfort is coming from. I didn't like what you said and it made me feel uncomfortable. Hence, I'm feeling a level of sadness, but not true. You know what I mean? So she's trying to help us understand how to broaden our language outside of the the typical I'm angry, I'm sad, I'm happy, I'm like, you know, or whatever and stuff like that. So I think what is important, especially when it comes to black men and expressing their emotions and giving them space is to validate that what they're feeling is important. And secondly, to be patient and giving them the room to discover exactly what language they want to use. I've been guilty of it because I'm like, oh, communication, communication. I'm an advocate. Sometimes I talk too damn much. Oh, you know what I mean? So I'm like, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. And then I get frustrated not realizing that, oh, this man probably is unsure of how to express himself to me or is fearful of to express to me. And his only go to is to express his frustration in assertiveness and maybe anger or maybe via ego. And now that hurts me when all along his inner child per se is like, but I've never been given the space or the tools to show how I feel because that was always a quote unquote woman or girl thing. I think that's no, that's real. I think that's such a, that inner child aspect is really, really important. 
Yes. How we, I'm not sure like what women's um, perspective is on, on how men feel about how y'all feel right now in society. A lot of men I know that are listening. We're listening, we're taking heed, or we're paying attention. And I think sometimes I sit back and it's like, I know where to go to be a doctor. I know where to go to um, be an athlete. Mm-hmm. I know where to go to be a chef. Sometimes it feels like I don't know where to go to be the perfect or to be the right black man for a black woman. <laughs> and I think sometimes of it, and not in the cop out, like there's work to be done, but there's moments when I'm like, excuse my language, like who's supposed to raise these niggas? Like the type of men that, that, and kings that we're speaking on, who is like, what space cultivates this? And what space of reciprocity wants to see those men exist? Because, and this is why I constantly feel like the lack of love in the all about love conversation has to be associated with the oppression towards melanated people of this continent. Most definitely. And I think that's the part that doesn't always get talked about. Because it's like, I can say this like as a black man, when I'm in these spaces in corporate and I'm able to make a certain amount of money, I don't feel fulfilled. I don't feel like myself, but I'm able to do certain things. I'm able to buy certain things. I'm able to take care of certain things. And to constantly walk on this continent and not feel like the king that I know my ancestors have instilled in my chromosomes sometimes make me feel less of myself. But then when I'm not in them spaces and I'm trying to be the best version of me i see the oppression and i see the the matrix everywhere and it's almost like you feel that breakdown but then now when i'm trying to be that version of me i may not have the same economical wealth to fly you out or do those certain things but that doesn't always get respected and value a certain way either damn is my code switch not good enough i can honestly say as a code switch in my whole life sometimes i feel like i don't have enough energy to switch it back off mm. Like sometimes when you go in the matrix, you don't know if you're going to come back out. When I get in these spaces and I put these, and I'm not saying that putting a tie on is always associated to that, but sometimes I don't know if I'm going to come back. And I think that it's such a um a unique space where I've seen women be able to be corporate, still be urban, still be streets, still be great for the family. Like they're able to wear all these hats and it still be looked at a certain way. But I've very few times been able to see the same dude that's from the block or the quote unquote dude that girls want from the cultural surface level, still be able to go turn it on and work a certain job or make a certain amount of money, but then still be the one in the community, but then still be like, to me, like those are very rare. You don't get a lot of those mm-hmm. from a men's standpoint, but I see women do it a lot. And naturally it's kind of like when you associate what it takes to be that type of man and those women are going to want it, there's just not enough. So the question becomes, I guess, how do you produce more? But then also for all the men that's not like that, it feels difficult to give a woman your gold medal knowing that you're you're her silver. Mm, okay. Oof, child, like I said, in this episode, we cannot cover everything. Cause I know, I know, I know. But, but, no, I so, love what you brought up, but that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, man, it is so layered. Yeah, it's layered. Levels, because like you said, as Black men in this country... And in our experience, yes, a lot of the lack of understanding how to communicate with each other, how to love each other in its purity also stems from systemic racism, right? And what we've experienced, if we're going back, I like the book that I read as much as people are wondering the validity of this book or the letter, the Willie Lynch letter. But if you read that, if you read that book or the letter, it it even if it's not true, it's true in our reality because we see the effects of it out of of how um, the black woman was put against the black men and how the black men was degraded in front of the black woman, where now she from that point became the sole source of what income would be considered in that time, the sole source of provider and protector and the man to feel degraded to know his wife is being raped and he can't 
do anything all off the strength of, well, if I do something, I die. And if I die, I'm not there. And then my children are seeing this in front of them. It's, it's a mental game that has been played with us for generations. I do have a problem because of this idea with melanated black love. And we see that now where it's getting pushed and it's being glorified and celebrated, which is great. I think that's a good component of how to get us back into this unified front. But I think we still have this other element that has been taught to us that the men are from Mars, women are from Venus type of concept. Now, don't get me wrong. I do believe there is a genetic makeup and how we were made that there are different roles that we play to one another. And as much as people like to stay away from roles, I think there's a beauty in what we serve to one another. Nature replicates that same thing. Nature even has roles and genders in, I'm not even talking about animals. I'm even talking about like, like things as like flowers and whatever. Everything like it's a natural, it's, it's the nature's it's law. It's the right? nature's okay. law, right? Of everything plays a role. So the beauty that I see in how everything plays its role. So I know there's a level of differences, but mm-hmm. this whole idea of like, oh, women want love and men want respect. That doesn't make sense to me because at that level. So you're telling me, oh, everything is about emotions for me. I don't want respect. But because we go from the standpoint of like men think logically, women think from a standpoint of emotionally, even if there's a level of truth to that, I feel like we've been conditioned and programmed to live in that truth, quote unquote, or that narrative, I should say, because for me and Bell Hooks talks about it also, the components and the principle of love is communication, commitment, respect, compassion, kindness, giving servitude. There's so many things that she mentions that is a benefit for both parties. I can't be with you and say, oh, I just want you to quote unquote love on me, but I just need to give you respect. That's not that reciprocity we're talking about. We both deserve respect. We both deserve to be loved on. But I feel like as Ben, they've been told you don't need that lovey-dovey nurturing stuff. You know what I mean? You just want to be respected. Because what? It feeds your ego. It doesn't feed the part of you that has not been nurtured. That's that's from my concept. I see you dying to say something. Go ahead. Uh, to me, it's like, I understand. I think that they all do play a factor. I think the conversation now is just where do they rank? And I would say s- simply, or understandably from a Black man's perspective, I think respect also goes high on it, especially what we just talked about. Because when you feel like you've been oppressed, you feel like you couldn't protect your women, you feel like you can't do these things, respect is going to be valued and put on such a high part of the list. I just think that the order in which we put it plays such a factor. The narratives that we try to give in the gender roles play a factor. I just think it's also what we lead with. Because men are solution-based. That's what's supposed to be taught to be solution-based. Because to me, it's like, the emotions are there. What do we say? How do we get there? How do we communicate with those things? And I, I, not to cut you off real quick, but I get what you say, how we lead. If we're going like that, well, based on our differences, how we receive and how we lead, maybe for you guys, respect is on that top because you've experienced so much. So you're like, I want to feel respected. But I'm just saying we have to be careful of the narrative of like all men need is respect and all women need is to be loved on. I want to be respected. You know what I'm saying? As well as be loved on. And I feel you should want to be loved on as well as be respected because I feel like too many times we act like although we're different, 
we still don't stem from a similar, from a creator that comes from a, a, a divine love. And if we're created in his image, in the image of the creator, then I believe there's a level of similarity when it comes to love, how to experience love, how to give love. But we've been taught levels of how to see each other more differently than the same. Yes. Okay. I can understand how you feel in that aspect. But like you said, I'm not sure all the ones that you named, but I think these are all the ways in which we can express the love. I don't feel like it's the main one, but I think it's one of them. But I also I feel like, especially being Americans from a capitalistic standpoint as well, like we're constantly looking at who's the head honcho, who's at the top of the pyramid. And women will say it, and it, you can feel it. When a woman doesn't respect you, it's almost difficult to understand how she loves you. I'm not saying that women don't necessarily yearn for respect, but just off of what I've seen, more men say, I can't do this because of lack of respect. And I've seen more women say, I can't do this because of lack of love. Based on just my sample size of what I've seen in life, what I've experienced. Because we haven't learned how to put the two together. I think even sometimes how we define what love is sometimes has been misconstrued and we've taken the respect out of it because hmm, you saying you love me, buying me things is an element of it, but it's like... Too many times I've seen women still be in a space of neglect and abuse where, where that is a lack of respect for my being, but will still be caught up in a facade of quote unquote love because he's present, um, because he tells me he loves me, because he tells me there's no one else in the world, because again, we're basing it on feelings. We've been taught to base it on how I feel, but I'm being neglected. I'm being abused emotionally, sexually, whatever the case, but that's okay to be put to the side as long as he's present. How many times have we heard generationally women will be like, and we've seen it in, in movies, but mama, he beat me. Okay. You get smacked upside your head once in the blue. He, he putting food on the table, right? He, he, you know what I'm saying? He putting food on the table. He come to he come to you though every night, right? So I'm supposedly at the expense of my respect, <laughs> my self-respect. I'm saying, well, that's his way of showing love. That's that's love. And there's an issue in that, but I think we open up another door, which is important. And she talks about in the book as well. In a sense, it talks about community. It also talks about parents. I think the respect thing has more to do with how we were raised in our relationship with our parents, not just our partners. Of course. I think the yearn for respect comes from how respect was taught to you through your parents. And especially coming from Caribbean, Caribbean or African cultures that are still closer to, the, I would say, a, a, a homeland. There's a different level of respect that's taught to you that at times is difficult. Being first generation in Jamaica, I mean, being here, we are in a unique space because we have the culture and the ideologies of a homeland, but we are in a different land. And those principles don't necessarily reign in the place that we're in, but they were instilled in us as we grew up. But I think we just have a different space of how we see it. I'll be honest, when I deal with Caribbean women, I, there's a different understanding that we have when we see certain things. And there's certain stuff that we don't have to talk about because we just understand what that is. A lot of it has to do with culture, how love is taught, how respect is taught. And it's difficult because we're asking women and men to be something we, we've never asked them to be in life. And I think that takes time and it takes understanding. To this day, it's like, I knew my dad loved me because he took care of certain things. He may not have told me that, but I know. So now, guess what I have wished for him to, to tell me he loved me more? Yes. 
But in any formula, when you add something to it, you also take some things away. So now the question becomes, as we ask to add all of these different elements to gender roles or add them to the people of society, mm -hmm. what are we willing to release, no longer emphasize, or give grace on to get to these things that we deem now more important? Cause I hear like we miss all this old love and we hear these R&B songs. Like we talked about, like I play my nineties R&B list all the time. <laughs> like I can look up, I can listen to Walk Out of Heaven all the time from January. <laughs> yes. If I go on this TV right now and I play VH1 behind the scenes or what Jagged Edge was doing when they were singing and writing these songs, what they were singing and what they was doing. Two was different. So it makes me start to wonder, I'm talking about this from Al Green, from Teddy Pendergrass, like all these silk shirts, smooth, lovey-dovey, talking up niggas, talking about giving our roses. Once again, we're feeding surface level. And the question now becomes, how do we get rooted? How do we get rooted in love? We're pulling it back beyond romantic. We have to, we have to, because again, we're talking about romantic love, but we know the element of love is, is all surrounding from friendship, family, platonic, how we even love a stranger. You know what I mean? How we just love our neighbor. But I think that all begins from the work that I've been doing and I've been realizing. I, I don't remember if Bell Hooks mentioned it, but I won't be surprised if she does. I think the first step is you cannot lead in love if ego still exists. I think that's true. So I think, again, we're still learning, right? So we don't got all the answers, but I think that would be I'll say this for me, I have to know two things. Matter of fact, three things. I have to really remove everything I think I thought I knew about love, especially from movies, TVs, R&B songs. Because let me tell you something. I love me some Mary J. Blige, right? But when I sit down and listen to some of these songs, I'm like, my gosh, bro, this is not healthy. This is not a healthy concept of love. We internalize some stuff that has nothing to do with us. That has nothing to do with us, you know, or even other songs, like you said, like these men were singing these songs, but living a totally different life. And sometimes even some of the songs, when we listen to it from a different ear as an adult we can pick up on some of the things that were toxic but that we didn't think were toxic before so i would say one is unlearning a lot of what i thought i knew the second one is yes to not lead an ego to understand and i was telling a friend this earlier that humbleness is not weakness humbleness is really coming forward to something with a with a knowing of i don't know everything and i want to receive in purity and i want to serve and be served and I think the third element is understanding if I am a believer that I have been created and I come from a creator, then I should know if that creator is the stem of love, then I need to go there. I need to find the root there and understanding patience in that just because I'm like, oh, God, teach me the root of love that is going to automatically download into my brain and I'm going to be all good. It's going to be a work and journey and be patient in that journey. And like what you said earlier, which was so beautiful, was that there are going to be things in life that will show us those different elements in the journey if we're willing to take that journey. There's so many layers to it. I just want us to stop thinking that as men and women, although in our differences, that at the core of us, we want the same thing. But I want us to stop thinking that men only need to operate from a place of respect, respect, respect. And women just need lovey-dovey, lovey-dovey, where I'm like, no, I want respect too, because we have to understand what respect means. 
that you're respecting my being, you're respecting my thoughts. Like you said, the three elements of me and I do the same for you. You know what I'm saying? So I I think we we desire and we should be able to experience the same things. If we're operating from different components or principles of love, what are we doing? I think that's true. And that's a real question. What, what are we really, really doing in that? It's important to understand all of those things. And those things take time, but that's why commitment is important. If you really, really want to commit to somebody or tap in with them, it takes time. And in that time, you start to discover these things. The same way you commit to a God, you commit to yourself. I think there's a discipline in love. There's a oh, discipline yes. in understanding yourself. There's a discipline in like, I shouldn't have to move like this or do these things and stay committed to what I'm on. That's important. And I think it's really, really important. And that, I think that's where the fear comes from. The fear comes from in a society in the time of all the options. I can order any type of meal I want right now for any price. I could probably hop on any flight right now, be in New York City in the next 24 hours, go anywhere. Anything that I wanted to sit back and say, I'm committed to this. Personally, I'll say my lack of commitment of love towards myself is probably the root of my lack of commitment towards love towards my partners in my past. Because once you start to dig deeper with that person and they start to see these things in you, when they look at them, they're gonna it can come off as a lack of respect in your mind. It come off as a, as a, as a lack of love in your mind. And if you don't come to grips with that and understand that, never say it's going to be perfect. But you have to have a, a knowing of what's taking place and what you have to work on. I gave you this test back, but here's some notes to make this B turn to an A. And it's not going to feel like you don't really care about me. I'm a burden on you. It's going to feel more like, wow, I know I got this work to do and you see me. And I love the fact that you see me and I know I got to work on this, but you're giving me grace in that. And you want to see me get to that space. And I want to do that for you as well. And when you can get there, then it becomes a beautiful conversation. It becomes a beautiful life. That's all I'm saying. But- I could have this conversation right now and then and then still understand like, dang, I'm going to probably go on Instagram and see something that's like, and that's the part of life that I got to understand of like knowing your truth and living and walking in your truth is oh, two yeah. different things. Men and women need to just know their truth. Because there's one thing, because I always say this, that how I define wisdom is not just knowledge is knowledge and application. That's when you're really wise. You could know and be intelligent as whatever, but are you applying it? Are you experienced based on the application, allowing life to give you experiences to continue into the wisdom? Wisdom is not only knowledge based. With wrapping up, how would we, and we could both share our journey with love in our understanding of, and I think we, well, you more, more so spoke about it with your relationships in the past of how you moved through love. So I guess my question is, in comparison to how you moved through love in the past, how do you wish to move through love in, in the future? So I'll say this for myself. I know in the past, because of, again, romanticism, movies, um, especially those rom-coms that we used to grow up on in the 90s, those romantic comedies, R&B music that we hear, Brandy and all that stuff. We're like, I want that. I want that. I know that I moved from a place of accept me, accept me, accept me, validate me, validate me, validate me. And based on that, I moved into this space of desiring so much of a fairy tale and my lack of understanding of what love really meant. I allowed disrespect. I allowed my voice to be suffocated and I did it to myself in order for me to receive some type of validation at the expense of that. 
I felt like love was just a big euphoria. Like, I just want to feel like you said, I'm on cloud nine. He loved me. I love him. I'm his ride or die. You know, all those different type of stuff. But knowing in the back of my mind that there were elements where I'm just like, but is love really supposed to be this complicated? Is love supposed to hurt this much? And I think that's what we're asking ourselves or the generation. Is it supposed to hurt like this? I don't think it's supposed to hurt like this. Not saying like you said, it's going to be perfect. There are not going to be times of trials or whatever, but it's this constant idea that at the expense of the divinity and principle of love that we're supposed to receive this complicatedness as if that is the natural law of love. And it's not. So I think the way I moved in the past was from an insecure space, was from a space that I I believe I'm not alone, that many women may feel where it's just like, yeah, I just want to feel like a fairy princess. I just want to feel like um, your whole world revolves around me. Do I believe that love encompasses feelings like that? Yes, because the pockets that I felt, it's like you have this feeling for this person and this experience that you're you're going through with this person where you're just like, man, I care so deeply for you that I will do things for you. Um, I want to see your happiness, you know, like you, you, you find yourself praying for this person, you know what I'm saying, and desiring a future with this person. But I think in the future, how I choose to move through love it's first through its principle. That's how I want to move through love. Like I said, without ego, but in the principle. And I know as cliche as it may sound, we hear all the time at weddings, 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, love is not envious, love is not, but it's really those things. And that's how I really want to move through love in the future and be able to identify it from that space. So when I encounter it, I can know what I'm entering into. I do want to share this clip that from the first episode that you were on uh, on the show when we were talking about dating, you said something. And I think you were at a space where you were moving through understanding how you want to move forward in love. So you mind if I play that for a second? (laughs) So here's what you said. Let's go. What you do with your life, I think, has also an example of what type of love you need. Mm-hmm. Or what type of love you should have. Yeah. I see a lot of people that are in love with people, but the where what the purpose that God has for them, I'm not sure if that person is for that journey. Mm. And it's a conflict in life yeah. of what I want on earth, but what God has for me. So in that, I see so much conflict. Yeah. And I was saying this earlier to my bro earlier, like, would you rather be at war with the world? And at peace with yourself. Yeah. Or at peace with yourself, war with the world. Like Nipsey Hussle said it. Yeah. And at times I feel like relationships are that way. Like, it's like, yo, I'm like, dang, she fire, yo. Like, she fire. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, she's not emotional intelligent. Yeah. I'm going to send yeah. this podcast. I won't. Yeah, there's that. no compromise like, you know on that for me it's, at this point. So, yeah. which is, but the growth part, for you to rediscover your, like, rediscover what you want. Yeah. Who you are, what your expectations are. In that process, it becomes tough because at times, when you start to do that, some of the stuff you really wanted start coming after you. And it's like, it's oh, of course. Like I really wanted that, but I, I wanted that when I wasn't this person. Right. Yeah. So am right. I going to resort back to my old homeostasis of lust well, or do I go into the new enlightenment of love? The new enlightenment of love. I think based on that, that you said you were coming into a space where you're like, 
okay, it does start with how I view my growth and myself of what I knew I thought I wanted before, but in what space was I moving from? So I love that last thing where you were like, do I go back to my homeostasis? Like you said, after this conversation, you going on IG, you know what I'm saying? Of lust, or do you move from the enlightenment of, of love? Yeah, that's tough. I feel like, what was that, last year? Yeah, tw- um, December 2021. December 2021, that's a long time. Um, I feel like I'm going back and forth. I feel like um, there's moments I've walked in the enlightenment of love, and there's times I went back to that old homeostasis um, based on comfort. And to answer like the full question about moving forward, how to operate, I think even when I made that statement, somehow I felt like my purpose and the love that I had for the work God has given me is supposed to trump, I guess, the love that I'm supposed to receive as well. Um, my biggest fault is that I haven't allowed the people that have loved me to love me in the capacity that they wanted to because of my own insecurities or my own understanding and fall into the, just give me the respect of, I did this, I did that, I don't need the love. And when we're talking about running this marathon, there's certain things you need in them pit stops to keep you going. I don't think I'd have fell to um, so much sin and temptation and things of that sort if I allowed the people that wanted to love me, love me the way that they wanted to. And I opened that up and allowed the reciprocity because eventually my cup gets empty because I'm pouring. I'm not letting nobody pour into mine. And at first I thought that's what being a man was to a certain extent. But I realized that was just ego. When you protect and provide, you also got to protect and provide for yourself. Moving forward, it's really, really important to just let the people that love you love you. Create spaces to be loved. That's with the community. That's with family. That's with the partner. And I'm so happy that you were able to just in this moment reflect and, and say that because that's what I was going back at. That many times because of our fear and our ego, which I believe our ego, the root of our ego is fear. So because of that, I don't need or I don't want to give you the space to love me because I'm fearful. Just give me respect. And then men continue with the language of I don't need love. I need respect. And at the core of you, you want it. You're just afraid of it. To quote the LL Cool J, not from doing it, doing it. But when I'm alone in my room, sometimes I stare at my wall and remember back. I need love. And and that's the basis of what I'm saying. It's just like at the core of us, we both want the same thing. We both want the same thing. We could go on for hours. We could end here. And I think we both have come to the space of saying we we choose. This is how we choose to move forward in our understanding of love and our action of love. Because like you said, we could will it, but we got to do it. Again, I thank you for just being on this episode. I think we said a lot. I think we dropped a lot as always to have people reflect um, and make their own discoveries in this episode, um, both men and women. Um, I love this conversation. This conversation has opened my eyes to a lot of different things. It's helped me another space of just wanting to write and have my art exhibit a certain feeling. And this conversation is important. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, I definitely look forward to the new content and creation that you're going to do forward to that. Matter of fact, let me plug this in. Um, I believe the show that is coming up is Rhyme and Reason. Can I say, and I'm going to be there. I want to support. I'm going to be there. I'm coming to the one. I know you guys are touring. So I do want to come to the one that's happening in New York, I believe on August 17th. And so can I say that I'm going to expect new content from you? For sure. For 
for sure, for sure. Yes, 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 yes. Um, because I want people to experience your artistry, can you just let my audience know where they could find you, social media, and check out your stuff? Well, you can find me on all platforms at Cito Blanco. So that's C-I-T-O-B-L-A-N-K-O. So it's C-I-T-O-B-L-A-N-K-O. It's your boy, Cito Blanquito. Hi, audience. So you heard that. So I'm going to leave you off with this quote. If we were constantly remembering that love is as love does, we would not use the word in a manner that devalues and degrades its meaning. When we are loving, we openly and honestly express care, affection, responsibility, respect, commitment, and trust. We need to map out to guide us on a journey to love, starting with the place where we know what we mean when we speak of love. And that begins at our creator. Thank you for listening into this week's episode. I hope you've gained some knowledge, insight, and clarity in this moment creating your own inner discoveries. And most importantly, head over to at She Discovered Podcast on Instagram to interact with me and receive more tips and info relating to all topics discussed. As always, you are appreciated.